0: Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab
1: a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martini's coming up. So glad you are with us for the Tuesday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. We don't have any good martinis for you, but we do have three uh, martinis that we're going to discuss with a lot of energy and fun today. Uh, bad, bad, and crazy, to be specific. We're also brought to you today by NetSuite by Oracle. Right now, you can receive your free guides, Seven Actions Businesses Need to Take Now, and schedule your free product tour of NetSuite by Oracle at netsuite.com martini. More on that in a little bit. Uh, Jim, before we get to the actual martini, Uh, President Trump yesterday promised a pardon of someone very significant, which led, of course, the liberal chattering heads to a foam at the mouth that it could be Flynn, it could be Manafort, it could be any of these people that uh, they absolutely despise from the whole Russia investigation. (laughs) And then it turns out Trump is going to officially pardon Susan B. Anthony for illegally voting on this, the 100th anniversary of the ratification of the amendment to the Constitution that uh, gave women the right to vote. So uh, I don't know how often you want your president to be a troll, but watching how the media uh, got caught with red faces here was pretty fun.
0: Yeah, and considering how you and I had heard the rumor there could be snowed in, uh, bravo, Mr. President. I'm glad it wasn't snowed in, and I think most people would agree for Susan B. Anthony. I'm just picturing, though, Greg, somewhere, probably out in California somewhere, O.J. Simpson stares at his phone and waits <laughs> for it to ring. <laughs>
1: Well, fortunately for all of us, O.J. Simpson was not convicted on federal charges, I don't believe. So uh, there's nothing that Trump could do for him, even if he wanted to, I don't think. But uh, what we're going to talk about for most of the day today, which I'm sure we'll throw all of you, is uh, night one of the Democratic National Convention. And before we get to uh, the most obnoxious moments of the evening, Jim, uh, what did you make of the, what I would consider a telethon type atmosphere with Eva Longoria in studio and then tossing it to a variety of tape messages? and. And uh, and a smattering of live messages from the likes of Bernie and uh, Amy Klobuchar and, and Gretchen Whitmer.
0: Greg, John Podoretz had a good assessment in The New York Post. He had an observation that, you know, I've covered every convention since I think uh, Republicans in Philadelphia in 2000. And it's a lot of fun to cover. It, it's a lot of fun, as I said, if you're a political junkie. But by and large, the first two hours, you know usually goes all primetime hours. In fact, usually some people are getting to speak in the afternoon and early evening hours. You got to tune into C-SPAN to watch that. And this is where your, you know, little old lady who's been writing candidate letters on behalf of the candidate for the past 50 years gets a chance to address people. And the, the Boy Scout troops come out. And there's all kinds of little kind of pageantry sort of things that, you know, very, some, somebody who je- never gets to be in front of a big audience gets a very special moment. Everybody else kind of tunes it out. And most people who are covering these things really only pay attention for that last hour. Maybe sometime earlier in the evening you might get somebody big, but most of the time you're getting what we saw last night, which are these, you know, montage videos and addresses from, you know, fairly obscure House members. There's a whole bunch of doing favors for people that happens in those first two hours of primetime. Well, last night, all of America got to watch what most reporters are tuning out and talking to each other uh, or running around trying to chase other people, interview other people and things like that. Uh, and guess what? It's not that entertaining. <laughs> in fact, it's kind of terrible. What I was struck by the most though, Greg, is that so I'm 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 tweeting, I'm, I'm writing stuff for the corner, and I couldn't tell the difference between the videos that were declaring, you know, of, of you know, ordinary Americans talking about how bad Trump has been and, and how you know much Joe Biden inspires them, and the tone of the video of every other commercial we've seen for months and months saying, in these uncertain times. We at Wayland Utani believe we will get through this together. You know, <laughs> it's the exact same tone. It's the exact same kind of, you know, quiet piano music in the background. It's there is like a particular um, stencil almost for how to do an appropriate and inspiring message with that NPR announcer kind of voice. So it, it was, it was kind of when I was when I was not paying attention, I was noticing how much I couldn't tell the difference between the actual programming and the commercials, which I think says something about the very narrow range of what is considered acceptable communication. Uh, in in the year 2020.
1: Yeah, I think there's going to be a fairly limited appetite. Uh, There's going to be a a couple speeches maybe each night that people pay attention to. And then obviously, as we get later in the week, Harris and Biden themselves. I'm sure Obama will get a ton of coverage. Um, Michelle Obama got rave reviews, of course. Turns out she's disappointed in us, Jim. Big surprise there. Uh, But she knows we can do better. And so she's optimistic and hopeful. And I, I assume that was aimed at suburban women. And we'll see what kind of an impact that has. But let's talk about our three actual martinis here. Starting with Andrew Cuomo. Yes, Andrew Cuomo, of course, is reminding everyone once again how he believes he did everything right, regardless of New York still having by far the state with the highest death toll. Several thousand of those uh, could be linked to Cuomo's decision to keep uh, COVID positive patients in nursing homes where it, of course, spread. But uh, here's what he had to say about COVID in the larger political context of 2020.
0: We went through hell, but we've learned much. We know that our problems go beyond the COVID virus. COVID is the symptom, not the illness. Our nation is in crisis. And in many ways, COVID is just a metaphor. A virus attacks when the body is weak and when it cannot defend itself.
1: Jim, uh, what do you make of him limiting it to a metaphor and suggesting that COVID itself wasn't actually the medical problem either?
0: I I try not to wish death on anyone, Greg. Otherwise, I would say that I believe that... uh, Uh, Cuomo's speechwriter should be sentenced to working in nursing homes in New York State. Ouch. Uh, That's it. Look, yeah. yeah, In some ways, the coronavirus is a metaphor. In other ways, it's a virus that killed people in nursing homes because I sent infected patients back in there. Um, Look, we knew the Democrats were going to have Andrew Cuomo. We knew that Andrew Cuomo was going to attempt to paint his policies and his decisions since the beginning of the pandemic as this rousing success story. Most people have observed, uh, if you think back to the very beginning of this pandemic, and they said the need to flatten the curve, they showed you those two lines, and there's a horizontal line across that said, here's your hospital capacity. After this, there's no more room, there's no more beds, and that's when you're really in trouble, because anybody with any serious health ailment can't get treatment after that point. And there were two lines. One was a flat curve that stayed below that line. One was a curve that went way ahead and then quickly trailed off because once it, if you have a really bad outbreak and everybody gets infected, well, after a while, the virus runs its course and you have fewer and fewer cases. The New York line looks like that line we were all told we were supposed to avoid. New York got hit really hard, in part because of the decisions of Cuomo to send infected patients back into nursing homes. And that's why New York isn't having so many cases today. The virus, if, I don't know whether they have necessarily herd immunity, but they had it run through really, really badly. There's some you know medical researchers who are arguing about what that threshold is, and whatever you know, whether you think it's you know in that 30% range, whether you think it's closer to 70, some some diseases it's all the way up there to 90. The, the more important thing is that as you run into more people who have been infected and who have the antibodies, they can't spread it. So you're going to see that slower rate of spreading. Um, so again, it's not surprising that Andrew Cuomo took the victory lap. It's infuriating that so many folks in the media and so many other folks in his party have chosen to enable him and to kind of cheerlead for him. His description of, in many ways, the virus as a metaphor was a terrible line, and uh, you know. Does I, I, oh, by the way, the other—it it somehow seems also fitting this morning, Greg, that uh, Cuomo announced he's writing a book. Yes. I'm glad he had the time to do that. <laughs>
1: Yes, the self promotion tour does not stop uh, at any point now. And it's just fascinating. We've talked about this so many times, but Gretchen Whitmer took a victory lap too. Michigan was one of the worst hit states too. So as long as you got a D next to your name, it doesn't matter how bad it got, you were a success. Whereas other people apparently. We're not. But if you want to be a success at your business, especially as you ramp back up here and hopefully thrive to more successful levels than ever, you're going to need some help. You're certainly going to want some help, and you're not going to find any better help than NetSuite by Oracle. America is ready to get back to work, but to win in this new economy, you've got to have every advantage if you want to succeed. Smart companies run on NetSuite by Oracle, the world's number one cloud business system. With NetSuite, you'll have visibility, and control of your financials human resources inventory e-commerce and more it's everything you need and it's all in one place
0: whether you're doing a million or hundreds of millions in sales netsuite lets you manage every penny with precision you'll have the agility to compete with anyone work from anywhere and run your whole company right from your phone you can join more than twenty thousand companies who trust netsuite to make it happen NetSuite surveyed hundreds of business leaders and assembled a playbook of the top strategies they're using as America reopens for business.
1: Receive your free guide, 7 Actions Businesses Need to Take Now, and schedule your free product tour at netsuite.com slash martini. Again, you can get that free guide and schedule your free product tour right now. It's all at netsuite.com slash martini, netsuite.com slash martini. All right, Jim, on to our second bad martini. And we knew there was going to be Disgruntled Republican Night at the uh, Democratic National Convention. Turns out there were four disgruntled Republicans. Uh, Three of them spoke very briefly by tape. Uh, They were Meg Whitman, who uh, has been in the corporate world most of her life. She ran very unsuccessfully against Jerry Brown for governor of California in 2010. Uh, After that, there was uh, Christy Whitman, or maybe Christy Whitman actually came first, uh, former New Jersey governor and uh, Bush's first EPA director, and then... uh, Um, Susan Molinari, former GOP congresswoman from New York. And then she uh, threw it over to John Kasich, who really wanted to make the point, Jim, that America's at a crossroads. So he was standing at what he called a crossroads. Others pointed out on Twitter, it's really a fork in the road. Either way, you got uh, choices on which road you want to take. But uh, uh, very Kasich-esque in the cheese factor. And so he spent time, of course, talking about how he's not happy with the way the past four years have gone. Talked about uh, how much he respects Joe Biden, even though they're not going to agree on everything. And then he threw this out, trying to reassure Republicans that they could actually vote for Joe Biden.
0: I'm sure there are Republicans and independents who couldn't
1: imagine crossing over to support a Democrat. They fear Joe may turn sharp left and leave them behind. I don't believe that because I know the measure of the man. It's reasonable faithful, respectful. And you know, no one pushes Joe around. No one pushes Joe around except for every day since he basically locked up this nomination. He's lurched left. He's adopted Bernie's economic agenda for the large part. He's started to embrace Green New Deal. He's now putting Beto as his point man on guns. He's in favor of taxpayer-funded abortions, which he wasn't at the beginning of this campaign. In fact, Jim, it's hard to see an issue other than not Absolutely wanting to defund police that he's actually resisted the leftward call on. So uh, Kasich, I guess uh, had to put in the yeoman's effort there, but I don't find it very believable.
0: no, and there's a couple of things to unpack here, Greg. The first thing being that um I, I got to give him a little bit of credit. I really didn't see this coming. As far as I can
1: tell, Greg, he didn't remind us that his dad was a mailman. He did not, which is amazing, given the Postal Service issue right now.
0: Right. I I wrote a whole corner post saying, well, we know this is going to come up. This is why Kasich keeps emphasizing that point. He emphasizes that his dad was blue collar and working class because he John Kasich has not been. He he was, you know, uh, jumped straight from college to working for the uh, state government in Ohio, ran for office four years later, was in Congress eight years after that. By the way, also, with that, you're, you're correct on the fork versus crossroads point. I suppose it's possible that the roads split again behind the camera and we just couldn't see that. But I think, Greg, the important thing to keep in mind, as someone observed on Twitter, is that if there's, if there's anything we've learned from American folklore, is that if a weird stranger appears to you on a crossroads, you can always <laughs> take his advice and it always turns out well, right? <laughs> um, so, yeah, so here's it. First of all, if you have to reassure people that the candidate isn't going to shift very far to the left uh, after the election, that's probably a bad sign. There's probably good reason for people to, that, that, that fear doesn't pop out of nowhere. And if that was the case, it'd be great to point to cases where not merely, you know, Joe Biden um, had a different position than the left wing of his party. That's happened. Sure. Fine. But how many times has he stood up against the left wing of his part? How, how much has he pushed back, against the left wing of his party. And I don't think it's very tough to, uh, I don't think it's easy to find that many cases. I think generally Joe Biden's the kind of guy who wants every Democrat to get along and is a back slapping, you know, deal making backroom kind of guy who wants everybody to walk away from a, a piece of legislation feeling like they got half a loaf. Now, if you're fine with the hard left to getting half a loaf, okay, maybe this isn't gonna be that bad. For those of us who don't want the, half, the, the hard left to get any loaf, <laughs> We don't want him to get crumbs. Uh, this is not all that reassuring. And the idea that, you know, John Kasich assuring us, oh, don't worry, he'll be moderate, um, isn't really all that uh, persuasive. Beyond that, I think we characterize the rest of the speakers uh, on, on allegedly Republican or former Republicans who are speaking on behalf of uh, uh, Joe Biden last night. I think we characterize it as a Whitman sampler. <laughs> um, the, the, I think it was interesting, you know, when you say Meg Whitman and you want to say, you know, if you want to identify you, you, my thought is you'd say either Republican candidate for governor in, in 2010. That probably makes people sit up and take notice. She's probably best known as the former CEO of Hewlett Packard. Not many women have risen to that level. eBay. Oh, eBay. No, wait, wasn't she also Hewlett Packard? That was Carly. Ah, dang it! I think I may have gotten that wrong when I've written somewhere. Anyway, um, <laughs> well, that's that's the other the uh, other Republican <laughs> woman running for statewide office in, in California in 2010. Uh, but then the second thing that jumped out is that they identified her as the CEO of Quibi, Greg. Are you familiar with Quibi? Not at all. Okay. This is that streaming video service that does only nine-minute programs. It's designed to look like, um, designed for, for phones and stuff. And it, it launched with great fanfare. Chrissy Teigen was a big part of it, et cetera. And it's flopped. It's, it's like losing money hand over fist. It's like, oh, you know, oodles of people got a free subscription. And when the free subscription ran out, they just did not choose to keep paying. Maybe Meg Whitman wants to promote Quibi this way. I think if you're the Democrats or the Biden campaign and you want to maximize her value as somebody who's endorsing uh, Joe Biden, you, you don't want the You don't want Quibi appearing anywhere near that. <laughs> get that. Get that word off the
1: screen. Wow, Jim, a big shot in Silicon Valley lining up with the Democrats.
0: Yeah, it's so unlike
1: them. Real game changer. All right, Jim, let's move on to our crazy martini for today. And we're going to move away from the Democratic Convention for this one. This one is going to be back to COVID-related items. It is back to school time, at least for those headed back to school at this point. And for some college campuses, they are doing that, including Albion College in Michigan. Now, if you're unfamiliar with Michigan geography, Albion's about a half an hour north of Hillsdale. So I'm sure that'll clear everything up for everyone. You could also uh, Google it real quick, uh, kind of in the middle, closer to the bottom. Um, Getting back to campus, it doesn't seem like it's going to be a problem. Ever getting off campus for the rest of this semester could be quite the challenge indeed. Uh, here's what the Free Beacon writes. A Michigan college is requiring students to download a phone application that tracks their location and private health data at all times in an attempt to protect them from the coronavirus. Albion College, located in Albion, Michigan, is one of the first schools in the country to tackle contact tracing. The school is working to create a COVID bubble on campus and asking students to stay within the school's four-and-a-half-mile perimeter for the entire semester. If a student leaves campus, the app will not notify the administration and the student could be temporarily suspended. Jim, as I said in our organizing email today, there's a term for places you have to stay and cannot leave for months at a time. College or university is not one of them.
0: Students, relax. The armed guards and watchtowers and barbed wire are for your protection. (laughs) Also, let's understand, you know, people are freaking out about the app and the tracker. This is a moderate step. We think within about two months, We will have the injectable, surgically implanted tracking devices. It'll be much tougher to dig out with a hunting knife uh, that you won't be able to get rid of. Plus, they will automatically either give you a shock or some other perhaps small detonations from the tiny bit of plastique we have implanted in you to prevent you from going beyond the boundaries. (laughs) This is like dystopian Prison state, North Korea stuff. And, you know, I, I'm. it seems kind of ridiculous. I'm surprised that uh, students are going along with this. I mean, what if you want to visit, you know, somebody who's still in your household and you've presumably still exposed to each other? What, you know, if you're, are there, you know, a sufficient number of food options there? Are you able to go to a pharmacy on campus? Like, you, you can think of a whole bunch of reasons why you'd want to be able to uh, uh, move beyond that. So, again, like, you know, the, the, the one of the first we, we've we've done a lot of jokes about karens on this program and by the way if your name is karen i'm sorry you know I, I know my colleague jay nordlinger has written very eloquently about how this is a terrible slur upon people named karen but i would note that when we use the term karens no one really thinks of women named karen they think of the you know uh nosy neighbors and, and people like that so but anyway the the uh Karen's of the world have kind of, and this, you know, this this rule, various other rules have kind of demonstrated. There are a lot of people who have, if not fascistic, um, really want control over other people's lives. There really is this desire to I will decide what you are allowed to do and not allowed to do. Until this this virus goes away, I am in charge of your life, and I get to decide what is okay and what is not uh is anybody the least bit surprised that you've seen protests is anybody the least bit surprised that you've seen violent pushback against this um you and i have talked about how arlington can congregating in groups of more than three constitutes now a crime that they can fine you hundred dollars for uh you know, is it, you know these are restrictions upon our daily lives we would never accept and it'll be interesting to see if the college students you know here really object to it or whether parents object uh, or whether everybody just kind of says, okay, yeah, it's fine, you know, we'll, we'll wear our tracking devices and, you know, kind of like those, uh, those you know, invisible dog collar yards, uh, <laughs> things that keep the dog in the yard, don't let him go past a certain point. Maybe they can install that for college students. Keep everybody perfectly restricted in their their nice little zones.
1: The invisible fence for the college Invisible fence, yes, thank you. Yes, yes. so uh, apparently uh, faculty, staff, uh, custodians and so forth, they don't have to stay on campus, uh, no surprise. So I'm not sure exactly what's being solved here. Also, uh, hats off to Jazz Shaw uh, over at Hot Air. I don't know if kids today would think of this, Jim. So he's, uh, as an older guy than than the students, uh, offering a helpful tip. You know, you could just leave your phone in the dorm and uh, and head out to wherever you want to go, unless there are spies and rats all over town. I don't know.
0: You know, Greg, then then you like you need to surgically remove the, the phone from the user. That's... <laughs> Can't expect young people to go anywhere without a phone.
1: So. <laughs> it would be uh, it would be you an aqu- go
0: someplace without a phone and you don't document it on Instagram. Did you really go, Greg? <laughs>
1: That would be a challenge. That might actually be a bigger challenge than getting them to not leave campus for three or four months at a time. That...
0: As they're p- teaching in the philosophy classes, these kids are going to. I post, therefore I am.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm not even sure that's a joke. That's actually pretty close to being true. Jim, I'll need three more nights of the Democratic National Convention to go. Can you make it?
0: Uh, yeah, no, I, this is the first time I've had editors <laughs> remind me. You have, You know you have to watch this, right? So. <laughs>
1: amazing all right well enjoy i don't even know who's talking tonight but uh we'll get through it we'll all get through it together as they say see you tomorrow
0: jill biden greg hold on don't don't soft sell this one 10 o'clock tonight ish
1: dr jill right
0: dr jill biden (laughs) most famous doctor this side of dr pepper dr J.
1: Don't forget the doctor with that E-D-D. All right. Yes, exactly. All right. Well, enjoy that. So uh, that'll be riveting television, I'm sure. Uh, Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Columbus Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. Do not forget about our wonderful sponsor, NetSuite by Oracle, netsuite.com slash martini. Also, please subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch. We would be very grateful for a kind review and a five-star rating. Also, please get us on those home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch podcast. And please... Join us again Wednesday for the next Three Martini Lunch.